and welcome to Rogue Pixels, the podcast that shares your love of the biggest and best animations online. Each week, I, Colm O'Hearn, chat with the creators of the most successful tunes on the internet to learn all about how those cartoons came into existence. This week, we are talking about Super Bowl. No, no, not that Super Bowl. We are talking about the crossover event of all crossover events. The Super Bowl trilogy that consists of Super Hero Bowl, Super Villain Bowl, and Super Showdown Bowl from a YouTube duo... Artspear Entertainment. It began in January 2017 and finished up in December 2019. And at time of recording, all three videos have close to 200 million views on YouTube. People like characters from other universes interacting, it seems. Look, why don't you have a listen to a short snippet from the beginning of Super Villain Bowl with Harley Quinn. And then I'll see you on the other side of that with the two people responsible for creating this massive pop culture Mashup. Arise, warrior. The battle is about to begin. Who said that? What the? Where are my clothes? Put on your uniform and enter the arena. Well, I hope you got a good float knifeful, buddy, because you ain't seen this chemical bleach booty again. Joining me today to talk about Superhero Bowl, Super Villain Bowl, and Super Showdown Bowl is Artspear Entertainment. Firstly, Joe Bauer from Artspear Entertainment. Joe, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. And secondly, Rita Artman from Artspear Entertainment. Hello, Rita. How are you? Hello. Well, thank you. How are you? Delighted to have you both on to talk about your epic trilogy. Before we do talk about that epic trilogy, would you be able to tell people a little bit about who Artspear Entertainment are? Yeah, Artspear Entertainment, uh, it's our production company. It's a partnership. It's just the two of us here in... uh, Queensland, Australia, and uh, we make uh, comedy stuff mainly. Um, uh, we do, we've got both live action and animation. We've uh, done a lot of animation on YouTube, and uh, that's, uh, I guess, what's become popular. Um, I, I act, I, I animate, direct, edit. Right. Right, yes. Uh, sound, music. music. Um, visual effects. Visual effects, yeah. What's Oh, yeah. <laughs> all the stuff. All the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you hate about our channel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. All the good stuff's done. Direct your blame. Basically, say, same question to you, Rita. What's your role in Arts Beer? I also do the acting and the writing and the voiceover acting. I don't do any of the animation. I'm the producer of Arts Beer Entertainment. So it's quite interesting because so much of the work we do is animation, especially online with the YouTube channel. But we actually made a few feature films. We made a couple of series. We're in production at the moment with another series, which has actually been funded through our funding body, Screen Australia and YouTube. It's part of a a skip ahead initiative they do every year, but that's live action. So I do a lot of that kind of stuff. I do the the people stuff and the yeah, getting getting people there, getting everybody organized, and yeah, pulling the strings as well as yeah, the the writing, the acting, and the voiceover of all, all the, the female characters. I'd love to lo- learn more about the kind of live action side of things as well. Um, before we talk about that, typically at this stage of the podcast, I get my guests to to detail what happens in the videos I've asked them to to talk to me about. So could you both kind of briefly, as best as possible, summarize the story of the Super Bowl series? Right. Well, basically it's, uh, so it starts with uh, Superhero Bowl, which is a video uh, where all these 
hero characters uh, from movies uh, and some TV uh, wake up in an arena on an alien planet and they're being forced to fight against each other in a battle royale to the death to determine which of them is the ultimate hero. And then that and someone it all kind of comes down to one character at the end, and uh, and then the sequel is uh, Super Villain Ball, which is basically the same thing but with villains. And uh, turns out there's way more villains than heroes. <laughs> way <laughs> more. Yeah, because each hero has got like got a whole, several villains. Several, to go yeah, against, so yeah. yeah, that was a, that's an even bigger video, um, and that comes down to one character. And then the uh, the third part of the trilogy um, is meant to be where those two characters fight against each other, but it actually becomes about the heroes and the villains teaming up to take on the evil overlord that has created this arena and is forcing them to fight against each other. So it's, it was a battle of good versus good, battle of evil versus evil, and the third one is a battle of good and evil versus an even eviler evil. So yeah, it just started off with a video of people fighting, and then by the yeah. end, we tricked you into a story. <laughs> and <of> yeah. <laughs> when we got to like the end of the second one, we're like, oh, we should probably work some kind of a story in here so that, yeah, it feels like we planned it from the start. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the first one very much was just that like plan yeah. of like just gonna have all the superheroes there fighting together. Exactly. And then yeah. was the second one that we really started thinking, okay, yeah. well, we've got an opportunity to put some story into this and where is this going to go after? Now, of course, here on the Rogue Pixels podcast, we do focus on animation, but to what you were saying, Rita, when you go onto your YouTube channel, the earliest uploads are trailers for movies that you did called The Killage, and there are episodes of a live action series you did as well called The Void. So would you be able to tell the listeners a bit about what you were doing pre-animation on YouTube and I guess how and why you began the Toon Sandwich part of uh, Arts Beer Entertainment. Well, when we started, so The Killage was an interesting project on its own because we actually met sort of doing The Killage. Um, I had come from an acting background, studied acting. Joe had studied actual filmmaking at um, university, so he'd just graduated and they were, him and a couple of his friends, making a feature film very ambitiously over uh, a weekend called The Killage. So I auditioned for it and I broke my leg making it. Um, the Whoa. film <laughs> yeah, the film had some, um, it was great. The script was great. It was so much fun to make as well. But it had, the actual production had a lot of, well, it was underproduced, yeah, time flaws and then I broke my leg. So it wasn't ideal. <laughs> the other guys that were on the production, they abandoned it. And we started again from scratch with the same script and we recast and we reshot it. And we took it on over two weekends this time, which was also probably not enough time. Uh, We shot that round the clock and somehow this was about 14 years ago now. So it was sort of in that really sweet moment of time where you could get a HD camera where your indie film would be um, looking decent enough to actually get maybe seen by somebody and affordable enough to buy that camera. But before it was like this over influx of everybody making an indie film and an indie feature film. So I, uh, once we had it finished, I was sort of in this lucky position where I was cold calling every single distributor around Australia trying to get this thing distributed. But they were willing to kind of watch the film because they hadn't had this inundation of a million indie features yet. So we eventually ended up getting that uh, picked up on DVD and that ended up getting a release in Australia and New Zealand and the UK so in IR and online, basically. So then we ended up taking on another feature film, did the same thing for Australians, which was another which was sci-fi comedy. Didn't learn our lesson. 
Uh, that one did <laughs> a bit better. Went uh, to India and Scandinavia and Japan and all over America, like on DVD. And we did The Void because we thought, okay, we had a connection at Brisbane Digital 31 at this point. So that was the community station at the time. It's since gone under and now <laughs> no longer exists at all. But this yeah. was years ago. Yeah. So we did the uh, <laughs> series for that, which was a lot of fun, um, but ultimately didn't get picked up further than that. And that's when we sort of started the YouTube channel just to put our trailers up basically mm. and, and then we put The Void on there. And then um, we eventually did a second season of The Void, but that was later on. That's right. Um, and yeah. then, then we ended up in Toon Sandwich because... Uh, because my um, sister, your, yeah, your sister um, was, was studying media yeah. or sort of communications at university. She was going on to be a teacher and she wanted to major in film media as a teaching. Yeah. And for some reason, she had to do animation or like Adobe Animate, which was called Adobe. Flash at the time. Yeah, it's called Flash. Yeah. And, and I'd used Flash once in uni to do some opening titles or something and I hated it. So she came to me for like some lessons on it. So I had to do like a quick, um, went on YouTube and looked at some tutorials. I don't think I helped her at all, but no. uh, from what you <laughs> in fairness, you did. <laughs> I don't think she's used it much. So <laughs> but yeah, but from looking at the tutorials, I thought, wow, this is actually a really powerful piece of software. And if I can like learn to use it this time, we might be able to like create full animations uh, from scratch uh, and would cost us nothing but time. Because um, this is ultimately because this the problem is, with live action yeah. stuff. You spend so much time and even if you don't have the funds to pay people what they're worth or anything at all, mm. the production itself still costs you so much money. And you've got right. everybody's work and love into this and you're working full on for what can be weeks to a month on set or even longer and then in the back end for a year or two, and even if it does get its limited release, unless you've got funding and already distribution and production and like name actors, which when you're just film school graduates, it's just you're not it's not going to happen in um, where we were. Yeah, so ultimately those things don't make a whole bunch of money for you when you're starting out. Um, so this was a way so, yeah, to kind it was, of it was coming off those two ourselves. feature films that had done nothing but cost us money basically, and um, and, and the uh, and, and the amount series. of time that it takes, but, yeah, yeah, and, and, and years of work, and yeah. and yes, and this was yeah the reaction to that, I guess, um, creating Toon Sandwich and, and chucking it up online, and it was something just the two of us could do, like yeah, the one of us at home with some help, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, and the first video um, uh, got like suggested after another more popular video about the uh, same sort of subject matter. The, our first, our first Toon Jurassic Sandwich World one, yeah, it was a Jurassic World one. And that did well, and then and I kept going with the series every year and yeah. put out more videos and eventually built from that. It was suddenly something where you saw some response and, like, numbers coming up and you got to, like, 20,000 views on the video and it was like, oh, my God, like, yeah. this is actually going to yeah. do something. Yeah. We could follow this through. Yeah, after going was- through the whole distribution routes and all that stuff to be able to, like, uh, create something and send it directly to an audience mm. and then get a response directly back. Like, yeah, you can see why people, you know, go onto YouTube and do this sort of stuff. That's half the battle, isn't it? Like you you put something out there and when, pardon the pun, but when it feels like you're putting something out into the void, (laughs) it's like, oh, you know, what am am I doing here? But yeah, if if you're getting response back, it's something and you got a a hell of a response. Like I, I checked only recently that Jurassic World trailer spoof now is up to 32 million uh, views. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not about control. Stand out. Hey, what did I say about disemboweling people? No, I said don't do it. Remember? In just under a year or so, from June 2015, or just over a year, I should say, June 2015 to late 2016, I think I counted about 15 trailer spoofs. So you were doing quite a lot and it was something that with Jurassic World it, it works and you tried to kind of zero in on we were doing a lot more then because it was the only thing I was doing and they were a lot shorter too <laughs> they've since like well, yes. gotten quite a bit and, bigger and they're even shorter than they appear to be because I think if they say yeah. three minutes then it's probably only a minute 50 and then a minute <laughs> long end screen okay. and Joe started getting more particular <laughs> with his animation as well like if you look at the first one versus like the later ones and I think <laughs> it was Spider man might might have been this first spider-man was the last one he did four fingers on each hand so like then he started upping the production value of the animation which yeah it was like a lot long time it was 25 percent more work because i had to add another finger Um, (laughs) (laughs) and we we made it worse on ourselves too because i came up with this idea of putting like uh hidden things to find in every video there's like five things like breadcrumbs we call them that you, that you can search for in the video like where's Wally kind of thing mm. so now like I've specific, like deliberately made it so like the, there's stuff to like scrutinize in every single video so it's put the pressure on more now to get you know everything perfect uh, but they were obviously a, a bit shorter before you began your big project which was superhero ball and i i know you you have put out a lot of excellent making of videos as well but for people who haven't seen seen those, would you be able to tell me when you decided to do Superhero Ball or, or, or even the Super Bowl trilogy uh, itself? The Hero Ball was just, it was very much um, fan service. I remember Joe coming to me and saying, I've got this idea for this video and I'm certain it's going to go viral because it has to just the, just the premise of it depends on what your idea of viral is. It probably didn't go really viral, viral, but he knew it was going to get watch time on it. We got into a lucky position, or unlucky, unfortunately. Uh, Joe's grandmother had passed away, so it left us a little bit of inheritance, which um, as a sole like, animator, to work with that amount of time to do anything was pretty much that had to be a day job. So we had spent so long trying to get into the film industry that we thought, okay, well, we focus on this as long as we can and hopefully it takes off. And it was sort of that one that kind of made it then possible to, I guess, turn it into a um, a working wage or something to live on very mm-hmm. smallly until it kind of, and then I think it was the villain ball that like then the channel started becoming more steady. Mm-hmm. But the superhero bowl was just just an idea, and then we okay. put more work into the others. Really inspired um, by uh, Captain America: Civil War, that's the the airport fight in that film. Right, um, was like I was, That's what the, what really got me into the Marvel films at that point in time because I was sort of on the fence up to that point. But when I saw that scene where like all the heroes are fighting each other, I thought, "Holy cow! This is so much." more enjoyable and more interesting than all the than the all the previous fights where they're just fighting an army of anonymous robots or aliens and stuff mm. like i care about everyone who's fighting in mm. this like and and you know the, what if you could do this like with all of the heroes and like and you weren't restricted by franchises and studios and that sort of thing yes. and you can sort of like slip it into youtube so yeah that's that was basically the 
impetus of the idea setting it on some alien world so like there's just like some objective forces just forcing them to do to, to fight and you don't have to worry about why it's happening it's just chuck them in an arena and let them go at it and then it's just like a, a case of like writing gags over a long period of time for like characters and how they could interact how you could group them together you know commonalities yeah. like things you would like to see characters you'd like to see butt up against each mm-hmm. other and yeah I'm actually a bit surprised that you say like there wasn't a plan because I, I thought it was like, oh, there, there's quite clearly a plan from the beginning here of what they're doing. But I, I suppose it really becomes evident, as you said, like towards the end of Supervillain Ball, of course. During the writing process, did you give equal weight to the narrative and the jokes kind of once you knew what the narrative was going to be? Obviously, by the time the third one came along, that was really a huge part of it was trying to balance the weight of the comedy so that it didn't just become only narrative. But we really needed to to keep those moments because the first one is just trying to hit a laugh and trying to hit a spectacle of like favourite characters and people seeing people together. Beyond that, there wasn't so much story except that we were going to do a villain thing, obviously. We were going to continue it on because why wouldn't you? Um, yeah, then the second one, that's when we really started going, okay. But that, that again, really didn't start. Like you've got a little bit of threads through it with the, I guess, when Harley disappears with the ring. But um, for most of that, that was also just kind of jokes. And then we focused a bit heavier on the story and that weight is the end part is maybe less jokey. We tried to find the balance a bit better with the third one. With the first one, is like in terms of story, it's just like trying to work out what it comes down to. Like mm. who were the like the final um, five or ten? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to having the like that final last round, and and who's going to be there at the end? And that it came down to Deadpool uh, mainly because uh, because of the gags, because of the comedy, because he was the one character who could be the comedy just on his own mm. and like keep the the laughs going just for that short period when he's like. Yeah. And this was before Deadpool too, so it was sort of ambiguous as to whether he could even like be killed and we didn't want too many people okay. commenting, saying, oh, yeah. this guy, yeah, this wouldn't happen and this wouldn't happen. So it was sort of like yeah. a little bit had to go that way at the time, just being such a popular character. Deadpool, you are the ultimate hero. I'd like to celebrate by performing a dance move I just invented. It's called the torso. Beam me up real slow, Scotty. So while my limbs are regenerating, how about we pass the time by you explaining to me what the hell was this all about? In time, all will be revealed. Before then, something else is needed. For as I'm sure you know, a hero is only as good as the villain. Yeah, and then Villain Bowl, it was like, we got Deadpool, now we've got to pair him with somebody, and that's how it came down to Harley Quinn. Well, Um, we wanted to... Yeah. to team them up because we we knew it was going to go into the third round and we knew we didn't didn't want them to do it just for the two of them fight. fighting so yeah we had to um, have a reason why that wouldn't mm. happen um, and we wanted to even it up we did want to have like a female and a male as well that's right, yeah. um not that that was a huge like part of it but we wanted to also give it now to somebody maybe this time where they didn't win off their own off their own bat, like they, where they won right. just out of kind of coincidence more so than ability so that if there was kind of a showdown at the end, it yeah. almost kind of like there's no way she would have won it. Just them fighting it would have had to be more of a like an emotional connection or something for that, that fight to not kind of yeah, and it could be take like- part. Game over. You cheated. Of course. I'm a bad guy. It's what we do. Harley Quinn, you 
could have told you that from the start, but that wouldn't have been as much fun. Yeah, and it, it just worked out as like Marvel, DC. Mm. And then we had the super strong like Romeo female character, of Jean Grey at the time as well as being pushed around with the um, the Dark Phoenix film. So it was another one of those things of people were going to ask questions of, how did this character kind of not win it if it was going to be a female? So it was like to kind of try and trick a, a, a real winner out of that win as well and then to use that to kind of push the story further. So we were pretty lucky in, in actually having those characters to work with at the time. It, it, like, in some ways it's a blessing and a curse. There's like so many different um, powers and abilities and stuff. Mm. And so like, yeah, you were wondering like how could this possibly work, you know, like who's more powerful? You know, how can this go the distance when there's characters that are so powerful and that sort of thing? And have a lot um, more fun with the villain ball, I think, as well, because... Because they're villains, so because, like, yeah. they can do yeah, more. Yeah, vi- villains in general are just more fun. So they say. Yes. <laughs> Joe, you mentioned that you looked after all of the, the art and the, the animation. You mentioned something on one of the making of videos that the original superhero ball was the first animation from Artspear where you weren't working off of source material like a trailer. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, to like get the characters, I had to uh, collect like reference images of all of them um, from the internet, um, mm. like action figures and that sort of thing. And like just like, you know, tracing a whole bunch of images. Like it takes months to like just create the characters, not even start mm. the animation and have them all there. It's the first one that yeah. I had to... Basically, yeah, come up with my own backgrounds for, which is good because it was just the one background you typed up. Well, we made the mistake of making the trying to make the characters look and sound as much as the actors that were currently playing them or from whatever mm. film that we'd taken them from. So I guess that made it a little bit harder in, in all of that kind of stuff as well. The art, you know, improved even from Hero Ball to Showdown Ball because there were characters I had to bring into show uh showdown ball that didn't look any good anymore so i had to like redo them when you say like you you were modeling them off current film versions of them at the time was that more difficult in that you're drawing criticism from some people if they're like that doesn't look exactly like Uh, (laughs) margot robbie or chris evans or whoever it is yeah didn't get as many haters as we thought we would um but you know there's always a few people so I do take a lot of time trying to get like the the perfect image of that character or that actor, um, like the perfect angle and try to like just captures exactly what that character, that hero, that villain is. Because yeah, once it, once I start to, you know, draw it, it's, it's a lot of time. So I think even the start, starting image has to be the right one. So hopefully I picked, I picked some good ones. <laughs> I think we've, we've mentioned this earlier, but both of you did all of Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's all you, and that includes voicing every single character that pops up in this as well. An incredible feat, you know, getting all of those voices, some that are so different. What's your process with that? You cry a lot, scream a lot, <laughs> <laughs> sweat a lot. <laughs> um it's different for everybody, I guess, for, well, for both of us. Um, I use uh, references. I try and get the dialogue or a really good reference line from that voice and that character, and then I try and get my voice as close to it and try to really get that line, and then I try to follow on with the dialogue so that I'm in their kind of rhythm and their speech and that sort of thing. With the Harley Quinn voice, it's quite distinctive. So, you know, if you're in the ballpark, 
a little bit better than if, you know, it was something else. It's like a character I barely know. Like then, yeah, I sometimes have reference, but a lot of the time I'm just going off my memory of what the voice should sound like. It sounds like in my head mm. because I know if I hear the actual thing, like it sometimes it throws me off because I have to, I'm doing the audio as well and like editing all the takes together. See, we, the thing is, yeah, you know, we do like, lots of takes <laughs> sometimes like hundreds of takes for like one particular line and then i've got to like listen to them all and pick like which is the one that sounds the most like uh, the character and like piece it together mm. sometimes syllable by syllable so i guess that tunes your ear to like really specific sounds and stuff the cool thing is there are certain voices that you then you do either enough times or you just are just easy for you um mm. and then when you get into doing something like fanficasia you can it's it's a lot easier because you're very familiar with the voice that you've already um, worked on, rather than doing like one line for every character, which was um, what the super bowls essentially were. That's actually a good point you bring up. Like in some cases, a character is saying five or six words, and then they're gone, and they're never to be seen again. How many times, if any, did you ever like really try and get a voice and just go, no, I, this is this just isn't working. It's not sounding right scrap them, replace them with somebody else or just take them out of it or whatever. Did that ever happen? Or was it like, no, we, we, we've already, we've drawn them, it's done. We have to get the voice basically. Once the, I think once the script uh, is done, yeah, we, we really uh, didn't change characters. Like it was like, we have to get this voice. There were times when I couldn't get a voice and I would walk away from it for like three days and then come back. Like I'd, I'd really try and work on that one and come back and, it actually ended up being some of, like, yeah, I was quite happy with the ones um, in the end um, that it happened with. Usually, like, <laughs> if we can't get the voice, it's, uh, it's basically like, this is as good as I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Try and hide it. Hopefully there's voices on either side that aren't so bad. Yeah, hopefully, like you say, it goes by fast yeah. enough that, that no one's like, what <laughs> that? People go, I don't know that <laughs> character. So. And one final question on, on Super Bowl then. Uh, I like to ask people who worked on the animations that I bring onto the podcast what their favorite part of the animations are. So, Rita, why don't you start us off? What What's your favorite part of the Super Bowl trilogy or your favorite couple of parts? The dolls. I really love that kind of stuff. Um, I'm a big horror, kind of that kind of horror movie fan. So all of those bits are for me when we're doing the villain bowl. And, yeah, and I like the bit with the Harley Quinn kind of having her, like, moment, I guess, um, towards the end when she dies. So I love the scene with all the time travellers in the um, Super Bowl. I think that there's some really great stuff with all the different doctors. Um, yeah, so we had a lot of fun with with a lot of those sequences. Yeah. As an actor, it was fun to do the more, like, emotional things. but. Um, yeah, as a viewer and like as a writer, it was just cool to kind of bring my favorite characters in from when I was young and that kind of stuff. And what about you, Joe? Your your favorites or a couple of favorite parts? I do remember like making the the villain ball, like really enjoying um, those characters a lot more than the heroes because I like the the creepy monsters and the um, like the gross stuff a lot more. It's like, it's a lot more fun to draw. It's a lot more fun to animate. So I really like the, um, the, the insect. I like the fly and the transformations, uh, stuff that was like, I really like that stuff. A lot of time went into that. So I like the, um, 
Mm. Uh, the Indiana Jones uh, characters dying, those transformations. I like the fly, him uh, turning into like the, the full Brundle fly. Mm. Um, the thing. The thing, yeah, the Joker thing, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and all the slimy, goopy, gory like stuff. I really enjoy that. And and Showdown Bowl, yeah, it was fun <clears> coming up with the, the through line in a story and, and having, and yeah, the time travel sequence. I really like the sequence of like, I really like the, all the um, stuff of the characters working together. Um, and teaming up and that stuff. I thought that was really mm. fun. Obviously, an important part of videos on the internet is the comment section. So I have gone through all of the approximately 150,000 comments on Superhero Bowl, <laughs> Super Villain Bowl, and Super Showdown Bowl, every single last one of them. Um, are you, are you serious? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, of course I have. But yeah, I, I've chosen a few to read out to you both. So one on Superhero Bowl from Akash. They said, uh, I'm just glad to be geek enough to get all of these references. Hmm. Again, it kind of goes back to that set up punchline incredibly lightning fast kind of writing like yeah it is reference after reference and character after character at any point where you like this is way too we like i'm killing myself here trying to get all of this in there whether it's writing or animating or whatever look we have enough or was it like no more we need more (laughs) yeah the first one was more like okay you have enough yeah (laughs) and then we just kept going more we need more we need to push more and it's just like also then getting those comments where after the first one and the second one particularly when people knew there was a third one coming and there's a quick tease at the end when you see um know everyone in the room together and you start to see some of the characters we haven't explored yet like the ninja turtles and marty mcfly and that sort of stuff in the like last seconds of the villain bowl that really became a thing like, oh, my God, we've got to include everybody and people would start commenting, put this person in, put this person in. Right. And it really became like drawing the line was so hard. We'd already broken our rules before we made them. So it was, we sort of said at, at one point we said yeah. it has to be a live action character from a feature film. That fights. That. Like in some way. Yeah. yeah. And then we had so many of um, people like commenting like their favorite anime characters and all, and, and game characters and all these things where we're like, we can't. It's funny you mention that because I do very quickly have another comment here on Super Showdown Bowl from RJ Hollenbach who said, the thing that I find hilarious about Anime Bowl is that it would literally never end. Half the characters that would be included can regenerate and the other half have secret final forms that only kick in when they're nearing defeat. So yeah, that's in reference to at the end of Super Showdown Bowl, you have, yeah, super anime bowl, super video game bowl, super cereal bowl. It's a bowl. It's all like that guy. Where in the world am I? It's a far cry from Uncharted Skyrim, which uh, was a bit of a Bioshock. Call out, Sims, we gotta call the duty. You say goodbye, I say halo. What am I doing? I can't stay my blade with the flesh of an innocent. I have a creed to consider. Stop that man! He's committing grand theft card! And yeah, I, I think I saw in your making of Super Showdown Ball, you mentioned like your forte obviously is film. And you were getting, yeah, these requests, but you were like, look, we won't be able to do all these things. So it's just 
quick little shots at the end. Is that right? It, it was inspired um, by the ending of 22 Jump Street. I don't know if you've seen it, but like that film ends. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a series of like fake like clips for all these sequels that they were never going to do. But like if they pushed it, if they kept going. So that was like that. Okay. Yeah. It was like, you know, this is like the limit of our knowledge yeah. on an anime on video games, which basically boils down to mm. the titles of the games, which we just looked up. Rather be rather be obvious that we know nothing about it than pretend we do and and yeah. open ourselves up for a whole bunch <laughs> of hate. Um, so yeah, was it just a chance to give the, all those people like so, just a little something, something. And in, so that they yeah. were in? And one final comment here from Gumza on the Super Villain Bowl. They said, "Here's a thought: Can Godzilla, King Kong?" Or the T-Rex really be considered villains? The T-Rex was essentially an animal looking for its next meal, while Godzilla and King Kong retaliated after humans disturbed them. I bring that up because I was I was going to ask, what was your criteria for superheroes and supervillains? We just went for like uh, inclusiveness, I guess, which may have been a mistake in terms of the numbers of characters we ended up with. But the idea was like, it's the title supervillain is just, is just a title, but it, that villain encompasses... Um, monsters as well and i would consider like uh, t-rex and godzilla movie monsters more so than villains well great uh, thank you very much a fantastic insight on uh, your super bowl trilogy but we aren't done yet we're just beginning the winding down process of the podcast and we typically do that with a quiz Yes, it's time to test your knowledge on two of the central characters of this series. It's time to figure out how well you know Harley Quinn and Deadpool. Round one. Elevated music. Uh, a, 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 few, a few questions about the characters, a few questions about the, uh, 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 the cartoon itself. Uh, and we're just going to go back and forth. The first round is questions about the characters themselves. So, Joe, we'll go left to right as I'm looking at my screen here. Joe, we'll start with you. Can you tell me what year the Harley Quinn character was first introduced? Oh, boy. Okay. I have no Can idea. That's Google. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no cheating. Um, oh, like, this is going to be a wild stab in the dark. I have absolutely no idea. Um, 19... Let's see how close are you. 1983. A, a little off. Do you want to have a quick, a quick go, Rita? Seventy-two. No, she's actually way more recent than you think. She's nineteen ninety-two. Oh, hell, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and and she actually first appeared in the Batman animated series, and she was in the comics then a year later. Rita, your first question then uh, is: Can you tell me what year the Deadpool character? was first introduced. Okay, I'm going to say Deadpool was also a later character then, um, but probably before Harley Quinn, maybe 85. Closer, closer. Do you, can, do you want to take a, a, a go, Joe? I'm going to say uh, ni- 1990. It is 1990. Oh. <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> now, here are some questions maybe you'll be able to rattle off the answers to these incredibly quickly because they are about what happens in Super Bowl. So, uh, Joe, your second question. What is the first line of dialogue that comes out of Deadpool's mouth in Superhero Bowl? <laughs> I know it's a toughie. Um, in Superhero Bowl? Um, yes. Oh, Lord in heaven. Um, now, 
Uh, is it um uh, so satisfying? Is it? Well done. Well done. I, I knew that part. I didn't think it's. Jesus, is that the first time you see Deadpool in the video? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's when he. Stabs Greenland. You're right. Yeah. Rita, your second question then. What is the first line of dialogue that comes out of Harley Quinn's mouth in Super Villain Bowl? Is it pudding? Is it. Wait, she wakes oh, no, up. Oh, she does. Oh, what? Where are my clothes? Um, where are my clothes? Who said that? Who said that? Where are my clothes? Is that it? Yep, well done. Of course, she, uh, oh, she's there. She the start. Yeah, yeah it's, it's literally, for, uh, it, I mean, it's an almost the opposite to Deadpool. It's about four seconds in <laughs> yeah. after uh, a rise warrior is said to her. She, yeah, she says, who said that? And yeah, your final question, kind of up for grabs, whoever wants to take it. While both characters are from different universes, fans do ship them together. Their name is typically Harley Poole. DC have introduced a character that's seen as a parody of Deadpool. Can you tell me his name? Deathstrike. Is it? I suppose I should say. So Deadpool, it's a weird... DC introduced Deathstroke, then Marvel parodied Deathstroke with Deadpool, but now DC have parodied Deadpool with another new character. And if this character was only introduced in 2014. I don't think I know what it is, but would we be able to guess what the name is? It's not in our, we haven't included this character, have we? It's a very similar name to Deadpool. Deceased body of water. Um. (laughs) (laughs) He is a red tool. Red tool, okay. He's catching on big. (laughs) With a name like that, how could he know? Wow, okay, I need to find out. That's actually I'm funny because there's actually... <laughs> what? Red, red Tool. The, I, if, I, if I see Red Tool now in the next episode of Fanfantasia, <laughs> I know. No, but we do actually have a gag in the next one where some character calls Deadpool Still Pond. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think by the end you were just playing as a team which I like to see I've, I've seen that before it's, it's quite good cool. <laughs> yeah, team up <laughs> yeah. we've been married for too long <laughs> everything now <laughs> the final part of the show then is a segment I like to call in case you missed it and this is where I and my lovely guests tell you about something we saw on the internet it is just us uh, uh, a recommendation from us to you um, and it can be something f- quite recently. It can be something old. There are zero rules. It can be animation based. Doesn't have to be animation based. It can be whatever you like. So, uh, Rita, would you like to start us off? What's something you would like to recommend to our listeners? Anything at all? The one first thing that comes to mind is not even a thing that I like. It was recommended to us recently, and it was hilarious. Little, it's a viral clip on YouTube. I think it's called um, Tony Stands on an Egg or something. It's about like some English chap. It's very, very funny. And his wife's filming him and he's just like, Tony's going to stand on an egg. And he's just like, Tony's going to stand on an egg or something. <laughs> and he's like, he going to stand on it. And he just like, I wouldn't, like the egg must roll under him or something. He just falls flat. It's it's the funniest thing. Definitely watch it. Yeah, yeah. I, I will definitely be looking for that. Joe, what would you like to recommend? I listen to a lot of, uh, I watch a lot of uh, on YouTube um, uh, theory videos on a Song of Ice and Fire series, you know, George R. R. Martin, that sort of stuff. So I like that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a couple of guys' videos that I watch, um, a guy named um, Preston Jacobs and uh, I think an Australian guy named uh, Glidus. And, uh, 
their like videos are like really interesting. Gladys's stuff is like hilarious. He does like whole like piss take videos of the um, <laughs> TV series and stuff. Um, but yeah, if you're interested into a song of ice and fire, um, I know Preston Jacobs is like doing like writing the next book with like a whole bunch like fan fiction style with like because they've been waiting like 13 years for this next book to come out. So like they've started like a group writing it together, and it's actually really good. Oh, and I should um, mention we're doing um, Untrue Crime. It's a true crime documentary. For, it's being funded by Screen Australia, so that'll be our next live action thing, hopefully on the channel later this year. But we met a bunch of really awesome Aussie YouTube as well so if you yeah. want to follow some other Aussie YouTubers and check out what they do uh, Liana Kia she does some really great skits and um, there's Fairband Films they're doing a series as well they do some really great comedy stuff um, I think Julian O'Shea does um, some great videos as well that's more in a different kind of a vein of it um, but yeah there's some great uh, on Project One I think they're a young dance troupe in Australia so there's a whole bunch of different, um, and Ella Watkins, I'm not sure what her channel's called, but I'm sure you'll find her on there. A whole bunch of different Aussie YouTubers doing like heaps of really cool yeah. stuff and they're all going to be bringing out something new this year. So Yeah, it's yeah. Australia funded. So and yeah. all really lovely people, so mm. definitely. Yeah. Awesome out. And very quickly, I, I will just recommend a YouTube channel called Bobby Fingers. And he is a only started quite recent. Well, I don't know, within the last six, eight months. And it is a guy who puts out sporadically um, videos where he creates these really detailed dioramas of disgraced celebrities in sort of the, their more infamous moments of their career. And he's terribly funny as well. So yeah, it's um, that sounds awesome. Unlike anything I've seen, uh, and it's it's really good. So yeah, check out Bobby Fingers. This is the part of the podcast then where you get to tell people where they can follow you on the internet, where where they can watch your videos or or follow you on social media, whatever you would like. So whatever you want to plug. Well, if you search for uh, Artsphere, A R T S P E A R, um, we're on uh, YouTube, we're on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook. Um, we wouldn't advertise the rest, but definitely yeah. YouTube. YouTube is, YouTube is our biggest <laughs> platform. One, yeah. um, we opened a TikTok page. We've got 12 followers. <laughs> so doing well there. Um, but, yeah, check us out, Artsphere, Artsphere Entertainment. Um, yeah, Google right. us, all the platforms, it'll be the um, same. Yeah, check out our animation. Check out our uh, The Void series on YouTube. It's like uh, lots of fun live-action content, lots yeah. of skits, movie-related stuff. Yeah. yeah. Void rebooted. That was great. Yeah, a lot of fun making it, and yeah, great. Well, yeah, it, it was it was lovely having you both on. Thank you very much, and it would be great to have you back on the show again in the future to talk about the follow up to Super Bowl, which is fanfictasia. Thank you. And that just about does it. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. You can also find us on social media. We are at Rogue Pixels Pod. Get in touch and let us know who you would like to hear on the show. This has been a Spodgun Studios production. I have been Colin Ahern, and I'll see you again next week for another episode of Rogue Pixels. Rogue Pixels.